Welcome. You're listening to The Drive Podcast, a ministry of First Baptist Orlando. In our current series, we are walking through the letter of Philippians as the Apostle Paul writes to encourage the people of Philippi to live out their faith with joy and in unity. Let's listen in and see what God has in store for us. If you have a Bible, you can start turning towards Philippians chapter 1. We're not going to go verse by verse tonight, just kind of a, a flyby. I want to look at maybe maybe one or two hinge verses that I think uh, Paul kind of hangs his hat on. But as you turn into Philippians 1, this is a fairly unique letter among Paul's epistles. As far as I can tell, it, it's the only one of Paul's that we've got in which he's not trying to correct bad behavior or rebuke bad teaching. Uh, it's not a formal treatise like Romans. Uh, he's not defending himself like 2 Corinthians. He's not addressing heresy like Colossians or Galatians. Sure, he addresses some issues and he speaks to a couple of things that he needs the believers there to stop doing or begin doing, but ultimately Philippians is just colored with favor. It's a love letter full of joy to people that Paul fell in love with when he began ministering the gospel to them. It's interesting in in Philippians, he doesn't even name himself as an apostle like he does in most of his other letters. He, He says, Paul, the bondservant, the slave, the one who willingly submits himself under the Lord Jesus. And so in Philippians, sure, he gives instructions. He appears to address some issues. But this might be the best New Testament picture we have of what a maturing church both looks like and lives like. That's one of the reasons that we're going to look at Philippians, so that we can mature in Christ, so that we might help foster mature bodies, wherever it is we are doing church. Again, not everybody here goes to First Orlando. I'm okay with that. I'm not interested in building the kingdom of First Orlando. I want to build the kingdom of God. And so wherever you're at and wherever you are being the church, I want us to be able to be mature and to grow in our Christ-likeness. I also want to look at Philippians because it is the story of the Jesus who indwelt Paul, who now indwells us. And so we get to see a level of depth in Paul's trust and faith in Christ that, that rivals any kind of contentment that we uh, usually struggle with and can't find here in the created world. Because Philippians is this straightforward, joyful letter about living. It's about experiencing a depth of peace and joy that overwhelms the stuff that we experience in life, no matter what circumstance you might find yourself in. And, and because we're created beings who live in a scene in a temporal world, I think it's important that we, we get re-enrolled in the class of learning to find our contentment in the uncreated God, Jesus. I think so often, so many of us judge what we see and what we feel and what we touch and what we hear and allow that to be the, the final word on what is good for us in life and how life is going. And so we need, to, we need to take some cues from Paul about learning to have a, an eternal perspective and to see all things through the lens that is Jesus Christ. So that's, that's what we're doing. We're going to take our time through Philippians. Uh, but again, I'm hoping that your guys' conversation around the table is rich. We, we want to we practically live out what we're being confronted with in the Word. So let me say a quick word, and we'll jump into Philippians chapter 1. Father, thank you for your Word, uh, your living Word that is timeless, that is true, Uh, that is inspired and infallible and inerrant. And whatever all those things ultimately really mean, I can trust you and trust your word. We're all fallible interpreters. But Holy Spirit, you're the only authorized teacher in the room. So would you speak now in Jesus' name? Amen. Philippians 1.21. We're going to hang out here for most of the night. Philippians 1.21, Paul says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm reading out the ESV. Uh, I've got it in a couple other translations. In the Holman Christian, it says, for me, living is Christ and dying 
gain. In the Phillips translation, I, I like this translation. It says, for living to me means simply Christ. And if I die, I should merely gain more of him. Anybody got a different translation out there? What you got? For me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. What translation is that? NLT. Sweet, sweet. For me, living is Christ, Paul says. This is his emphatic position. It's a really unusual Greek construction. It's like he really wants to make a strong emphasis, and he does. Because essentially he's saying, listen, whatever living means for you, whatever life is all about, whatever living is equated to in your life, me, it's Jesus. Living means Christ which immediately raises the question, what does living mean to us? For you, living means what? You can kind of get at this answer by asking it in a different way. Here, this will help. If only, fill in the blank, then that would be the life. If only I could have more money, then that would be the life. If only I could get a new job, get a spouse, get out of debt, get out of school. If only I could fill in the blank. That would be the life. Paul's position is altogether different because like I said earlier, he's rooting living in something that is uncreated. He says living means Christ to me, the uncreated living God. But it it wasn't always that way for Paul. I, I wonder what living would have meant to Paul before he went by the surname Paul back when he was Saul of Tarsus, you know, before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. You tell me. If we met Saul of Tarsus and we asked him, Saul, what does living mean to you? What do you think he would say? I know there's Bible scholars out there. I've talked to some of you. What would living mean to Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee? Maybe he would, sir, the law? Yeah. Maybe he would say living means Torah. Living means perfect adherence to the law of God. Or because he was a Pharisee, maybe he would say living means getting the approval and the amen from my my fellow brothers, my fellow Pharisees. Whatever it was, and we get to it in chapter 3, and he talks a little bit about life later on. Whatever it was now, it, it was radically, markedly different. Now living meant Jesus. Now, I know that seems like a really abstract idea. Like, what does that mean? How do we get our arms around living means Christ? Living is Christ. And, and Paul's helpful in other epistles. If you have a Bible, jump over or scroll to Romans for me. Romans chapter 11. And in Romans eleven thirty six, man, Paul lays out this just beautiful doxology. It's right before he gets to chapter 12. And if you're familiar with the book of Romans, 1 through 11 is just this rich, rich doctrine, okay? It's all theology. God's condemnation, God's justification, his sanctification, his vindication of the nation of Israel, 1 through 11. And then we get to 12 through 16, it's all practical application. Here, live this out by doing this. But in 1136, before he switches gears, he says this, for from him, Jesus, and through him, and back to him are all things. To him be the glory, amen. Look at the prepositions there, from him through him, to him. It can be argued that he's talking about the Father there, but Paul uses the same language about Jesus elsewhere in the New Testament. And so he says, listen, Jesus, everything came from him. Scripture's clear. We are created by Jesus. He was the agent of creation. And Colossians 1 is really clear. We are created by Jesus, through Jesus, and ultimately for Jesus. He is both the beginning and the origin. He is the guide through life. He is the goal of all things. We came from Jesus. We live for 
Jesus. We know that. If you've been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, you've heard that, and yet that doesn't really affect our shoe leather much because we live for a whole lot of other things than for Jesus. And so Paul is giving us a worldview here, guys, a lens through which to look that allows us to interpret everything going on outside of us as well as inside of us so that we can see things differently than anything we would have come up with on our own. To live is Christ is Paul's way of saying that Christ had taken such personal possession of him that he, he didn't recognize any distance. There wasn't any separations or gaps between him and Jesus. There was this indivisible union between the God of creation and himself. Christ lived by Paul's life and Paul lived by Christ's life. And so his conclusion is simply living as Jesus. Living means Christ. Go back one verse in Philippians 1 verse 20. Philippians 1 verse 20 says this, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. Now, I know we picked up mid-sentence there in the context of the packages, Paul indicating that Jesus would be exalted and glorified in and through his circumstances, regardless of what happened, whether he lived or whether he died. Regardless of the motivations or intentions of other people, Jesus would be exalted in and through Paul's life. But look at that verse again. It says, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now or now as always. Think, think about that even now there for a second. What do you think Paul means when he says even now or now? What's he talking about? Where's Paul at? Where are the Bible scholars? Where did he pen this letter from? I'll say it like I mean it. Jail. Yeah. He was in prison. He's in Rome and he's waiting to stand before Caesar to appeal his case. He's under house arrest. He's literally chained to a guard 24-7. And he says, even now, even in the midst of my circumstances, I'm not going to allow anything to rob me and the motivation from allowing the world to see that Jesus is my life. And that everything that's going on inside of me, Jesus is my focal point. Which begs the question, what is our even now, Right? What circumstances are going on in our lives that are robbing us of our motivation and our vitality of knowing Christ and making him known regardless of what circumstances or predicaments are going on inside of us? Because if even now meant Paul's current predicament in prison, not exactly sure if he was getting out, whether or not he was going to die in prison, which I believe it is, then the question for us is what does even now mean to us? We'll unpack Paul's perspective on his predicament in the weeks to come. He unpacks it in verses 12, 13, and 14 of chapter one. Let me just say this really quick. Our inability to live, like really live, is not due to our circumstances. And our inability to be expressions of the life of God is not due to our circumstances either. Listen to me, our circumstances are the context into which God has determined that we will best trust him and therefore be an expression of his life. Some of y'all thought that your chains are the thing you need to get out of in order to really live for Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, 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 look at Paul. Paul lifted up his chains and said, okay, Lord, I'm in prison and I'm going to allow this to be an escort into me living for you and expressing you. And I, I don't want to give it away yet, but in 12, 13, and 14, he's like, yo, the whole Praetorian guard is coming to know Jesus because I'm in jail. Talk about perspective. So Paul's offering up his chains to Jesus. He had an uncertain future. He wasn't sure if he was getting out of jail, but his focus wasn't on his chains. It was on the Lord of the chains, right? 
You know, the same God who used Moses' staff and David's sling used Paul's chains and whatever handicap or deficiency or weakness you think that is getting in the way of you being an accurate expression of Jesus' life. And so we learn to hand those things over to Jesus. And so even now must mean the same thing for us, right? Whatever we're in, wherever we're at, whatever we're walking through, whether it's outside of us or it's psychological and it's inside of us, even now Christ means life to us, or he should. And so Christ, man, he's our point of reference. He is, he is, he is our beginning and our middle and our end. He's our point of reference. He's not just a segment of our vision. He is to be our vision Paul says a little bit differently, just so I can make sure you see it from all the angles. Look at Colossians 1, verse 18. Maybe it'll show up. If not, man, Colossians 1, 15 to 20, this beautiful picture of, of high, lofty Christology. And in verse 18, Paul says, and he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, Jesus might be preeminent. There's loads here. Just look at that last part so that in everything he might be preeminent. Somebody tell me, what does preeminent mean? I'm still working on my college degree, and I don't know that word. Preeminent. Well, y'all know it. Middle schoolers are better than this, I'm just saying. First placeness. Take a shot. No, but that's a good word, and that is what Jesus is. Preeminent, first placeness, supreme, right? Ascendancy. They're not laughing at you. You better not be. I got a verse against that. It's about first placeness. It's, it's so that Jesus will be first place. And this is interesting. Jesus already has preeminence in all of creation. We just haven't figured it out yet. Psalm 19, all creation shows forth his glory. Humanity is the one that's rebelled. So the question is, are we learning to see Jesus Christ and all of our life is coming from him and through him and ultimately back to him? And so Paul is taking Christ out of, a, out of a book here, out of a creed, out of a stained glass window, and he's putting Jesus where God intended him to be from before the very first let, the be, let there be, in the center of our lives, literally our life. That's how he says it over in Colossians chapter three. Just turn over a page to the right. Colossians three, verse four. Jesus is our life, Paul says. Christ, who is our life. When he appears, we will be like him. Christ is our life. What do you hear in that phrase? Jesus is your life. Source, supply, power, vitality. Listen, Jesus didn't just die for your sins. He's now your very life. But I was taught that Jesus died for my sins and now I get to go to heaven, and I just need to figure out how to live the Christian life. Listen, I've said this before. You can't live the Christian life. Jesus can. He's the only one who ever did it, and he's willing to do it again in you and as you and through you as we learn to press into him as our life. And so is that another concept, some ethereal idea that's, that's pie in the sky? It wasn't to Paul, because Paul saw everything through the lens that Jesus is his life, the personal embrace of an indivisible union. Can I tell you, I love the song about the presence of God, but can I tell you there's not a lot of talk about the presence of God after Pentecost because they had received the person of God. There's no fellowship after the Spirit fell. There's fellowship with the Holy One, the Spirit of God. Peter writes in his second epistle, I think in chapter one, you don't need to turn there. I'll get there eventually. Second Peter chapter one, he says this, God's divine power has granted to us 
everything pertaining to life and godliness. What kind of life? God's life. What kind of godliness? God's godliness. Verse four, by which he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that through them we might become partakers of the divine nature. Man, you're gonna hear this every week in one way, shape, or form. The very life of God has come and taken residence inside of you. That old sinful, helpless, hope, unrehabilitative life, that's another word I made up, that old sinful life in Adam, and it was crucified on the cross, Romans 6. And you were raised to walk in newness of life. What life? God's life, the very life of Christ. And Paul says, listen, listen living, living means Jesus now. He is my life. And so if this is true, and I believe it is, if Christ is our life and living means Jesus, then we're all confronted with a conundrum. Where are we going to draw our life from? Where are we going to get our significance from? Where are we going to find our value? Where are we going to find our meaning and our purpose? Because I think we're all old enough to know what it's like to try to drink out of broken cisterns. Jesus is our life. Paul says living means Christ. Father, thank you uh, for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming, willing to come and stay, uh, knowing where you were headed, for staying on the cross, uh, for looking at your accusers, uh, looking at those who put you on the cross with compassion and extending patience and forgiveness and mercy their way. We thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, that if anybody in here doesn't know that, that mercy and forgiveness that you provided at the cross, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself. And for those of us in this room who know you, Jesus, I pray that you would give us a greater awareness of what it means for you to be our life, for life to be about you, Jesus, from you and through you and back to you. Help us to understand this, this concept, this idea, this abstract that Jesus is my life, that living means Christ, living is Jesus, so that we can begin to see things the way that you see them and, and feel about things the way that you feel about them, because we've been joined to your life. Father, thank you for a bunch of new faces in this room, and uh, Father, we just trust you with our lives with all of the things in our life, the circumstances, our weaknesses, the prayer requests that we're begging you for, uh, the discontentment that we know we need to offer up to you. And so, Father, we just commit uh, our today and our tomorrows to you, asking you, Jesus, to be uh, exalted and glorified through our lives. Thanks for this night. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to see you on Tuesday night, 7 p.m. in the Student Center at First Baptist Orlando. You can check us out on Facebook. It is the easiest way to get in touch with us and find out what is going on in our ministry.